to the Reads and Writes podcast with Cody Hosterman and Jason Massey. Cody, it's been a little bit. Let's, what have you been up to? It, it has. Well, you know, um, uh, about a week or so ago, um, uh, my wife and my son, we, we flew to the East Coast of the U.S. to go to the beach. Um, it was, uh, you know, I, I learned a lesson, Jason, um, and I'm sure this is a huge shocker to you, but a beach vacation with a one-year-old is not the same vacation from a relaxation perspective as it was with a couple. Definitely shocking, not. No. Right? Shocking. Um, but I know it was a lot of fun. He ate very, very little sand. So it was all very good. He got to celebrate his first birthday with my family and my parents and et cetera. So it was, it was a good time, but, uh, it was, a, it was a nice, a nice trip that I have not been able to take in many years because of COVID. And I've been going to the, to North Carolina, the beach for my entire life. So it was really nice to get back there and take and bring him along. Of course. How are you getting ready for all of the events that are coming up and just like you said stuff in life keeping us busy i mean that's why we haven't have been able to catch up but finally back in it hopefully we'll uh get more of a cadence going now definitely and you know i just bought just yesterday i bought cormac hogan's new kubernetes book i'm I'm excited to take a look at that it's uh i don't know if did you get a chance to did you get a sneak preview of it i have not so i'm 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 buying it on the trust that i put into cormac uh and his his authorship so i'm I'm excited no i haven't got it yet i'm gonna i'm gonna ping him and see if i can get his digital copy (laughs) (laughs) well today we've got uh dave edwards from micron dave welcome Hey guys, how are you today? Doing well. Doing well, doing well. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Dave, usually one of the things we always start off with is we ask how you got into storage and you know what aspect of storage are you working on? Oh, okay. Well, it's funny because I never really set out to be in storage, but I, I, I've been in and out of it pretty much my whole career. Um, I started working for Intel uh, back in the days just after um, in the early 90s after the Japanese flooded the DRAM market and Intel was like, what are we going to do? So they invented something called flash memory. And I went to go work for them and as a um, co-op. I did two co-ops with the NAND, uh, back that time, the memory components division, which uh, it was all NorFlash at the time, which is an older generation of flash technology that was more expensive than your current technology in NAND. Um, but we we developed our own, <clears throat> get this, 35 megabyte, three and a half inch IDE SSD drive. Wow. Yeah. I think it retailed for $7,000. <laughs> so, so that kind of started off my career, both, both in storage and in flash. And I've, I've pretty much been in flash memory um, in and out at different levels, whether it was either hardware design and boards to firmware, to manufacturing, to drivers. And that's how I got introduced to VMware as I joined Micron. And that's when I met you, Jason. And we were doing drivers for PCIe SSDs, which at the time were not NVMe-based. They were custom. And just, you know, ever since then, I just up and down the stack, whether it's playing with VMware and vSAN or getting in drivers. And um, now I'm actually in uh, validation where we learn new technologies, all the new technologies coming in for SSDs, and we figure out how do we validate the technology at scale. 
So, and by scale, I mean at any one time, any one program has about 2,000 drives under test at any one time. So it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, so you've done the gamut of, like you said, yeah. from physical design, actual layers, and to component level. Yep. And at one point, I actually understood the the flash cell. Nowadays, it's a little more complicated. Same concept. Yeah, I remember my one of my first introductions to like flash in the, if you will, corporate world as I was, was working at EMC at the time. And we had these enter, enterprise flash drives um, that we were testing and I had to ship them across the country for some reason. I, I don't remember why some other array needed them or whatever. And I had to insure them for like $100,000 or something. It was like four drives. Just absolutely wild. So I think that luckily the prices have have come down in the past 15 years. So that's oh uh, no kidding, really right? Happy to see. And the capacities. I mean, you know, we we're we're now getting into the eight terabytes is is normal in data center. And um, I believe we have products coming out here with almost around 30 terabytes on a single drive. That's incredible when you think about that. When you're thinking 30 terabytes on a single drive. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's that's so much data. How do you back it up? Some arrays have right now. Right. How do I back it up? Do I really want to put a RAID volume together of five drives? (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think what's really, really interesting about that. I mean, one of the things that, you know, I work at Pure, right. And uh, one of the things we've always talked about is, is the all flash data center, but like spinning disks still exist, right? Like they're out there, they're still being bought, they're still being used, right? So that that journey, if you will, is not, not complete. Where do you think the inflection point is? I mean, we're even starting to see NVMe-based spinning disks being I introduced, right? Which is kind of wild. Like, so what... Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? I'd be curious to hear your opinion. Um, well, I, I am I am curious on from many people's perspective as well. But I and I'm honestly I'm a little surprised that even at eight terabytes of a flash drive that we haven't seen that start to change. But um, I think when we're getting into the NAND cell technology, we're talking about it started with a single level cell, and then they figured out how to double it by and and triple it. And today we're at the we're in. We're sort of introducing the triple level cell. They call it TLC, and um, the idea is that you can encode um, electrically three bits in a single flash cell. So that effectively triples your storage capacity. And now, and next up in the client space, typically client uh, wants the cheapest flash. So when your your mobile devices. And whatnot. Well, and data centers still a little leery about quad-level cell. In other words, um, the next order of magnitude NAND cell, but it's coming. And at that scale, at at you know quadruple the capacity, you you take a TLC drive that's eight. You can go to you can double it. You know, at sixteen, I think that's the point where you're really talking about um, hitting into the hard drive space where more like cold storage in that regard. Because we introduced a like a QLC level like array, you know, a pure and stuff like that. We had to put a ton of engineering in to figure out how to use it appropriately. So like what is like, especially for like the consumer, like non-storage array type things where there's all that that extra stuff on top, like what does that mean for like where level? Is that going to change that? Like with these QLC for for consumer devices or where that's going? Like, is that a big problem these days or is that mostly it's been always, solved? It's always a problem, you know, and, and what you're talking about is endurance, right? The, how many times can you overwrite the drive 
some people call it drive rights per day um, and whatnot, or fills per day. And it's it's always a concern, but when you start talking about how large these drives are getting, I'll give you an example. Building a 128 gig uh, laptop drive is actually impossible with the latest NAND technology today. They cannot, it's so small on the die, they can't bind it to a package. So we're, get, we're, we're seeing this problem of um, having to deliver much larger drives. Well, the more NAND you have to spread out your rights and spread out your workloads that are going to consume the endurance of your, or the reliability, if you want to call it that, it's less of a problem. You still have to have, you know, your redundancy or, or your you know, error detection capabilities, whether it's in your client, mobile, or even in the data center, right? Data center is even more concerned about that. But what's happening is you're just pro- we're providing more information for data center uh, solutions to determine when it's time to replace the drive, right? So it's a combination of the more capacity you have, the less the endurance is a problem because you have more more area to store everything, and then more information about well, it's going to fail at some point or it's going to reach its warranty period at some point. So let's let's replace it in time. That's an interesting point. So let me let me try to repeat it here, see if I understand it correctly. It's like essentially like initially flash was was not super dense, if you will, or big. So you would buy it for a very point solution, right? I, this yes. workload or this application, or I'm installing this game on my machine and I want it to be on flash. So it was small. And so because it was small and it was pointed, it was used for something that needed it, it would be constantly being torn up by that. And that would be a problem. But when we're starting to use it for more general purpose and not necessarily everything has this really hard hitting right, the chance of us like getting that collision of re, re or overwrites, overwrites, overwrites on the same segments or blocks is not, yes. is not as likely over, over time. Exactly. And that's why you're seeing, even as you go into the um, quad level cell, you're seeing performance stay the same. You would have thought performance would start tanking, but in reality, it's, it's, it's all behind the scenes magic, if you will, that allows that to happen and the sheer quantity of cells available to write to. So even though we're adding more cells, which typically would potentially reduce the endurance, we're actually getting more endurance because we can spread the workload out. Is that right? That's right. You're, the life of your, your product wow. is, is extending, is keeping up with what we expect over time. And, you know, hard drives have a lot of reliability problems built into them as well. And if you, you know, if you've ever studied a hard drive, you'd be, you're like, really that works, <laughs> right? You know, they got to put helium in some of them, right? They got to heat them up sometimes, you know, like your shingle memory. So it's interesting. It's an interesting world uh, we're in. No, I'm looking, seeing one of the new drives has 176 layers Ah, yes. How does that work? That is part of what you probably have heard uh, with 3D NAND cells or 3D um, silicon technology. What it, the, the simplest way to describe it is you can take a silicon die, you can carve rings in it, kind of like a, a record player. Well, the old days when you, you had your spinning records and there's grooves, right? Well, those grooves from a magnification perspective are huge. And what you can do is you can design your your, uh, transistors and your circuits to go vertical and then space them closer together. So in one die surface, you can create much more dense uh, electric circuits. 
Well, and with um, the 176 layer micron NAND, we can layer uh, 176 silicon layers on one chip. And so with 176 times the density. On with that, that newer technology, do you still have the performance and en the endurance? We have everything. Um, and matter of fact, by going to this 3D type of technology, you can actually use older lithographies. And I don't know if you've, you know, you've probably seen the, the media about, you know, Intel's still only at 10 nanometers and TSMC's at seven. Well, that has to do with how small you can make your circuits. What 3D uh, manufacturing allows you to do is use the older generation 10 and 12 and maintain the reliability of the larger cell, but you're, you're putting it in a smaller space. Because, because of the stacking, is that right? Because of, because of the stacking and the vertical design of the transistors. Now, are we use, is this something that gets used in enterprise drives or is this more of a client side? It, it all, all of the new technology tends, well, I guess that's changing. Some, uh, we're, what we're finding these days is that we will um, we'll have a, a design for a, for a product, like 176 layer, layer NAND, and then we'll decide where to roll it out. Um, it's kind of evolving these days. It used to be client got it first because client wanted the cheapest. Right. So the more dense it is and the um, smaller the lithography, the less power it takes and the more affordable per unit of space is cheaper for the customer. But data center wants that, too, now. So it's it's starting to become blurred. But it, yes, it is available for data center. And we put a lot of more work into the controller designs and the error correction and detection circuitry that go into our SSDs to to maintain that. The requirements of data center. I think what's what's interesting about this, um, and this is this is a conversation. I mean, Jason and I have been having for for years now with customers, in particular, is performance density, right? Because you know what we ran into this problem with spinning disks many years ago, right? in the sense that um, all right, so these disks got larger and larger and larger, um, but they didn't really necessarily the access to them didn't necessarily get faster, right? right. There, there were some ways of doing it, but we had to basically end up, you know, short stroking or striping or all kinds of things, right? All kinds of different things that kind of defeated the purpose of what we were trying to do in the first place. And and so then we moved to flash and we're like, okay, the medium can keep up. We can, we can get a lot more out of this. The performance density is there, but now we're getting into this denser and denser and denser. So it has the performance, right? Potentially from a latency perspective, or maybe, you know, even the IOPS or throughput is still equal to what is before, but the performance density starts becoming a problem. Is that, is that going to be a problem? Is that a problem today with these larger densities? What's what's the solution to solve that outside of the traditional things we did this with spinning disk, right? To solve it. it, it goes back to what we were talking about a little earlier. Where if you were to look at an individual flash cell, it takes longer to program. Um, matter of fact, each time you go from uh, double the density of a single cell, like if you go from TLC to QLC, individual cell programming takes longer, and and the reason is because you need to make sure that the electrical level is within a certain threshold so you can detect it later on. And, and, the, and the distance between one value of an electrical uh, program charge and another becomes much, much smaller as you increase your utilization of that single cell. However, you're putting a lot more of those cells and organizing them in a lot larger uh, arrays, if you will, and 
The way that a typical SSD works is it doesn't write to the same sector like a hard drive does. A hard drive will, will write it to the LVA that you give it. In SSDs, it gets written to a new area, all fresh, already cleaned, already erased. And you, you mentioned wear leveling, and that's also part of the wear leveling process is you, you make sure it goes to a a region of NAND that hasn't seen as many program erase cycles. So performance is actually getting better, even though we're going into more dense NAND cells. <laughs> it's incredible. Well, to me though, it sounds a little bit more like improved or improved consistent and or improved performance consistency. But like if I, let's say I want to back the whole thing up, right? And I, I need to read everything, right? Or I need to write to everything, right? Um, is is there a bottleneck in front of that? Like even though the internals of it could be fine, like is, is that a problem or there is. And, you know, that's where you're talking about the PCIe generation. So to, today, Gen, Gen 3 PCIe is very prevalent in uh, pretty much all the enterprise stuff that I work with. Um, Gen 4 came out, which is the next generation. It basically doubles the speed of Gen 3. Well, and that's your front interface to NVMe. NVMe is designed on PCIe, whereas your traditional enterprise was built on SCSI and SAS. Right. And SAS's, the interesting thing is electrically, SAS is compatible with PCIe. And that's why Broadcom and some of the and, uh, microchip controllers can come out with what they call a tri mode controller. They can talk to electrically to a SAS drive or to an NVMe drive and even a SATA drive because electrically they're compatible. But um, PCIe is, is one of those things where it's, it's, almost considered free from a platform perspective. AMD puts 96 lanes on a single CPU on some of their, their pro CPU products. Um, well, Intel doesn't quite put as many on there. And so, um, and Intel didn't want uh, adopt the Gen 4 PCIe, but AMD did. And so now there's a lot of Gen 4 PCIe out there that basically doubled the performance, meaning I can copy off or write to my NVMe drive twice as fast with the Gen 4 uh, PCIe interface. So the, the, the thing key there is that the flash technology behind it needs to keep up with that front interface. And uh, if you do a typical buy 4 PCIe drive, which is pretty common, you're talking about 16 gigabytes per second for one drive. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Now we're, Intel has come out with Gen 5, and which is basically double Gen 4. And the reason this is getting interesting is I, I started thinking, well, who other than gaming systems need to have Gen 5 or even Gen 6, where we keep doubling the bandwidth, doubling the performance or the IOPS? And some of it comes down to in the storage realm, it comes down to I, I got if I have a 30 terabyte drive, I need to be able to back it up within a reasonable amount of time. I need I need to get all those Facebook pictures or whatever onto the drive, right? From hundreds of thousands of clients. So PCIe is what's driving the front end, and then the SSD designs are what's provide making sure that we can increase the density, but still keep up with the performance on the front end. This might sound like a wild question, but I'm just kind of curious on your opinion on this. Um, do you think there's a future 
where we no longer differentiate between DRAM and actual like our storage? Like, do you think that's going to converge or is one always going to be way ahead of the other? I think DRAM is always going to be DRAM. And um, it's it's looking like that. Um, and, and if you think about it, you know, the, the challenge with NVMe is to, in order to get some of the performance, you really got to load it up pretty heavily, heavily. And data center is perfect for that because you have all, like I mentioned, you know, if you've got Facebook and hundreds of thousands of clients saving pictures, reading pictures, they're the ones that can make sure to, to give the drives the workloads they need to operate at their optimum performance. If you send it one command here, one command there, you might find that the latency over time will go up. But with DRAM, I mean, the latency is going down and the capacities are getting insane. I mean, I think we're up to, well, you can put what, 32 terabytes of DRAM on a, on a server these days. And then with, I think, CXL, they're talking about re, the sort of introducing more optimal memory interfaces. So I don't see that changing for a while, uh, if ever. All right. So we'll always, we'll always, we'll always have a goal then in the storage industry then to, to keep up with the DRAM. So be pushing us forward. So that's good to hear. I think so. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have some new memory technology out there someday that'll wow us even further. Right. I, I, you know, at one point I was hoping that 3D cross point with, you know, Intel Optane and whatnot was going to, was going to be a, a game changer, but I guess it costs too much. So. Now, what about like the NVDIM technology? What are you seeing on that aspect of it? That's a good question. I think that's where it, CXL is coming out. And it's CXL is kind of like PCIe in the terms of its electrical nature, but um, but they're designing it for more for DRAM, you know, byte level access. So the challenge with NVDIMs is you're still talking about larger page sizes. So NAND in, in the SSD world, you can't byte write and read. You have to read and write in chunks. And I think NVDIMs are still that problem phase of, of having to support that where CXL is a different little bit of different protocol to be more optimal for that. Uh, I'm not as, as up to speed on some of those things. Uh, and NVDIMs, I think they just need more work in terms of how do you bridge byte addressability with pa large pages of NAND? And that's the trade-off. And then there's the different types. There's the, what, NVDIM N and P and all those different functions as well, right? I think that's sort of becoming leg legacy, mainly because of the new efforts with CXL and, and understanding that uh, all of those different ones needed a standard. And then the reason that you have the different types of NVDIMs is because of that. There was really no standard. There was sort of just a technology-driven path of, hey, let's put something in between DRAM and uh, NVMe. Oh, that makes sense. Now, what about like NVMe over fabrics? Is there anything unique to the drives interfacing? I guess, Cody, you might chime in on this too, obviously. Yeah, I'd like to hear your side of Cody. I don't have as much experience with NVMe over fabrics other than my theory-based knowledge of SaaS architecture. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple things, right? I, I think this a lot of the NVMe fabrics in, in our view kind of goes back a little bit to what I was talking about before with these performance density problems, right? Is that Flash got larger, fast, uh, larger and larger and larger, but the interconnect that we were using, the SaaS interconnects and things like that just weren't doing it, right? So what, what we did, the first part of our process at Pure um, was to 
transition to using NVMe internally, right? I mean, the straight straight process there, we get more raw access to the NAND, we wait, it's far better, uh, far better uh, protocol and mechanism to be able to access it and manipulate it. It's built for flash, right, fundamentally. And then the next step was like, okay, well, we have expansion shelves. So what's the best way to, to communicate with these expansion shelves to be able to really unlock that performance density as well? So you're not like locked into the SCSI world and everything like that was NVMe fabrics, right? So like our first implementation of NVMe fabrics was not a front end thing. It was actually a back end thing to access our shelves that weren't in the chassis, like the direct compute chassis themselves or a controller chassis themselves was NVMe fabrics, right? And so that really removed all the bottlenecks between our system and our backend NAND. So that was kind of part of that is moving, moving towards removing any of our internal bottlenecks. And the next step was like, well, let's, let's provide that for our customers. Because the, the metaphor I've used historically for it in front of, front of our arrays or front of any all flash array was putting SCSI and the protocols around built for that and what SCSI really means from a storage perspective, how it fairly limits queue depths and, and how that all works historically from the host to the array side. It's kind of like having a 100,000 person stadium um, and having one gate. Can you fill up the stadium? Sure. Um, but it's going to take you a really, really long time, right? Yeah. And like fundamentally, yeah. the way I've positioned NVMe internally and NVMe fabrics in front of it is like, not only do you have more gates, each seat gets their own entrance, private entrance to that stadium. So if you need to fill it up, you can do it quickly. If everyone needs to get out, you can do it really quickly. And so fundamentally from a performance perspective, that's where part of it came from. And because of those efficiencies, and we saw this generally with the introduction of flash across the board, forget about NVMe fabrics itself or NVMe is just reducing the latency allows your CPUs, your host CPUs to not have to wait. And if they're not waiting, they can do other things, right? And so that continual progression around improving efficiency, improving latency, improving, re- reducing the amount anything has to wait, introduces efficiencies up the layer so you can do more and more with effectively even less, right? And so I think that's a big part of it. But I think overall, what I'm excited about when it comes to NVMe fabrics um, is just the more protocol layer management interactions that come with it, uh, dispersed namespaces, copy across namespaces, some really interesting things that can make the storage interaction with the host layer, uh, the infrastructure layer, whatever that happens to be, VMware or otherwise, um, much more intelligent. Like just looking at the progress, even with even the latest NVMe specs and NVMe fabric specs, it's designed for today's infrastructures and today's data centers and today's compute. SCSI was not, right? It was designed for I don't even want to say yesterday, the day before yesterday type of thing. Um, and so I think there's a lot of opportunity really across the board there um, when, it, when it comes to what that can be used. I, I think the introduction of NVMe with spinning disk is interesting, but you know, I guess having a more consistent protocol across the board and then having different mediums, maybe there's a simplification play around there. And I've heard some interesting arguments about maybe there's some use cases there too, but uh, it's certainly the direction that things are going, but um, I think we're really from a flash perspective and then also from an NVMe perspective, we're really just getting started. I don't know if that even answers your question, Jason, but that's at least when you say those words, that's my response. Well, I think that that's what we're seeing, right? The, I mean, in the virtualization side, on the server side, and just in the data center side, like you said, SCSI wasn't meant for flash. As customers are seeing this potential of these devices or arrays and not being able to get that potential with your standard 
you know, old SCSI connectivity. If you don't start looking at the newer fabrics connectivity, the new NVMe fabrics connectivity, you're not really able to take advantage of those performances that the new devices are capable of. That's interesting. So I have a question for you guys. Um, one of the challenges as an SSD vendor or a, you know a hardware vendor is visibility into some of the you know we 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 talk about customer use cases, but in, in the case of a you know a virtualized storage array solution, you know we think of it more of a, as well. It's an array, and there's some software and a bunch of apps running. But from a device vendor perspective, one of the challenges is well. We want to make sure that we work in those environments, but if we can't set up an array or or these these very expensive, very large systems, it become it, we're not really sure where are the compatibility or the interoperability or the even performance problems in an NVMe over fabric solution. Is, is are we talking about interfacing with a hardware chassis that has a specialized controller or is it just a, a, a standard server with a couple of Xeons or AMD or, uh, CPUs and a bunch of software that's coupling it to say Ethernet or some other you know fiber uh, fiber channel or some other interconnect I'm really curious how do we as a vendor become more familiar with what is required to ensure we're operating properly I mean I think it's 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 a difficult question right because I think one, I mean, if you look at storage vendors, uh, array vendors, whatever that are offering building NVMe or fabric support, there are wildly different architectures out there. Um, a lot of them even focus, like, are very focused on certain use cases, and some are more generic and more general. Their their hardware infrastructures are completely different. Some of them are more SDS type of implementations, and so I'm not sure if there's a really a great answer to that particular question. You know, sometimes the way I try to look at it is building it from the application layer down to a certain extent. Like, um, what is what is needed? Like, I, my job, I focus on VMware stuff, right? It's like, what's what's needed from the VMware perspective? What do we what do need what do we need to be able to do to make it better? And generally, that means simpler or more efficient. And so I look at what can we do to consolidate that and make sure that. Are we are dealing with the ins and outs of what the of what our consumer doesn't understand, right? And they may not understand how to set up their flash themselves, or how to, how do I make it more resilient? How do I how do I copy it? That's the kind of stuff that we focus on. How do we simplify that so the VMware administrator can focus on their VMware tasks, right? So I think from a from a NAND perspective and a, you know, an SSD vendor perspective, I think it's 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 tricky because you're kind of supporting not only storage array vendors, but also direct server vendors, right? That are might be implementing things in completely different ways, like you know, VC, for instance. That's so right. it's it's uh is it jack of all trades? Is it um do you specialize? Do you offer different versions? I don't know if I have a great answer for you there, Dave. Okay. Well so one of the things that I, I'm always curious about and haven't had any time or ability to play with is some of these Mellanox um Car, uh, solutions where they've integrated some NVMe interfaces so that your uh, RDMA and other you know network stack is optimal to talk directly to the drives. And I'm curious from a from you know an array perspective, are those solutions that help you guys, or do you guys tend to do your own more generic 
uh, hardware, not, not, not so hardware dependent solutions. I mean, I think from our side, and like just to give some like listeners a little background on some of these, right? If we're we're talking about NVMe fabrics, right? We're generally talking about one of three implementations, right? NVMe fabrics over fiber channel, NVMe fabrics over Rocky V2, which is RDMA over converged earth, Ethernet, or of course NVMe TCP, which is kind of the newest entrant into into the fray. And when we look at the different ones, like why someone chooses one over another, the fiber channel one is the clearest path, right? Often because it's like, hey, I'm a fiber channel customer. I got all these fiber channel switches. I know fiber channel. I want to stick with fiber channel. Yeah, There's your fiber channel, right? And then there's like, all right, I'm an ethernet customer or I'm moving to ethernet, right? That does happen. People move from fiber channel ethernet. I've seen it, it happens, but which route do I go? Well, when someone is super concerned about latency and performance, the path is generally the clearest. Even if you include NVMe fabrics and fiber channel, at least kind of what I've seen is that what you can do with Rocky, with, with the RDMA over converged Ethernet, that will get you the best. But you do need special equipment, right? You do need RDMA capable NICs. You do need lossless configurations on your switch. It does require more of your network. But if you do those things, um, it can scream. It can absolutely scream. And the NVMe fabrics across the board is very great performance, right? You're going to do better than SCSI with really any of these things. But from our side, yes, there are dependencies on if you're going the Rocky route on that hardware. And it does make a big difference when you have that specialized hardware. If you don't, or it's not configured appropriately, it's going to potentially perform worse. And so there certainly are reliances on it. And you know, we've worked with other vendors as well, like Broadcom. They've done some really interesting things with some of their, their HBA firmware to customize how they manage queuing for VMware environments. And these things are important. And honestly, I think it's a super important part of what I call kind of solutions engineering is that if your platform is performant and simple, that's great. But if it's not performant and simple with the overall solution, it's not. And I think an important part of making that simple is working with partners such as yourself, such as Micron, right? Such as Mellanox, et cetera, et cetera, to, to see how can we tweak these and tune these in the default. So when customers buy them and plug them together, you do get the best of those things. And so, yeah, I, I, we do rely on it, but we try as much as possible to not make it the customer's problem to do, but there's, there's you know, it's not a perfect world yet. There, there is work yet uh, left to, to tweak and configure out there. So you had mentioned a front end before, and it sounds like front end from an array perspective really is the transport, the, you know, the RDMA, TCP, fiber channel. Am I correct in that? Yes, yes, absolutely. So PCIe is more of, is more of a lower layer to an array and a reduction of any latency between the storage stack delivery into the you know, storage front end versus the actual media? Generally, yes. Now, there was a an acquisition by EMC many years ago called DSSSD, and I believe they did some kind of semi-proprietary implementation of like PCIe over, over Ethernet, essentially like that. I, mm-hmm. I don't remember the specifics. I don't think the product exists, or at least in the form that it was today. And so there are ways of doing it, um, but I think there's no real good standards around it. So it's it's kind of a tricky thing to do. So generally, yeah, the, the PCIe piece of it is really about how can we make sure our management software has the performance uh, and the throughput and IOPS and access that it needs to be resilient and everything. And then we're like, okay, from a protocol and front end perspective, how do we then make sure our customers have the right access to that too? And so there's it's a, multi, a multi-step process. That's interesting. You'd also mentioned something about uh, namespace copy 
And I'm curious about that because typically that would be from within a single, you know, spindle, if you will, a single flash device. Is there, I, I've, I've also heard about some peer to peer PCIe things floating by, but um, I'm curious if, if that's also part of some of your namespace to namespace copy capabilities. Is that also from drive to drive? Or is it mostly within a single drive that you would look for that kind of a feature? Yeah. So this 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 goes back a little bit to the VMware history, and Jason can certainly talk to this too. Is that fundamentally storage arrays are virtualizing all these drives and things like that, essentially. So it's just some pool of storage or some multiple pools of storage, depending on your vendor, et cetera. Um, but from a VMware perspective, for instance, or you can even look at Microsoft, they do similar things. In a SCSI world, they use something called XCopy, right? And so basically, hey, I have this large database and I want to clone it or copy it, but I don't want to copy my entire physical LUN or volume. I just want to copy this. But if I copy it, it's, it might still be a two terabyte database or even larger. If I have to do that all through the network, that's going to take a really long time. And so instead, what happens is there's, there is a SCSI implementation around XCopy where basically it said, hey, I want to copy this file, but it tells the array in band, hey, these LBAs, copy these LBAs to here. And so the array backend goes and does it. And that's existed in, in SCSI for, for many, many years, and it's been supported in a VMware environment for many years. And in a VMware environment or a Hyper-V environment, this translates into copying virtual machines or virtual disks. Uh, Hyper-V uses something called ODX, but it's essentially using XCopy in the back end, but it has like a token exchange mechanism. It's a little more, a little different, uh, but functionally the same concept. And we, you know, we use similar things essentially in the back end. So there's like kind of multiple layers of what this looks like. We do metadata repoints and so forth, but it's about copying objects, but not having to, to have it transport through the data path. It's really more an instruction to copy something. With NVMe or Fabrics, there's no concept of X copy, or at least it's not called that. It's called copy across namespace. It's it's a fairly new technical proposal, so it's not been like implemented at all from what I'm aware of, but it's the next step of making sure that that can happen as well to take efficiencies of what a consolidated platform can do. And fundamentally, it's similar with uh, you know just direct NAND inside of a server. If you want, I don't want to actually have my CPU read the data and you know deal with writing it back through some plane. Just can like can the NAND do that for me? You already have the data. I just want another one, right? Uh, and so is that file system semantics around pointers? Can the can the NAND do it itself and some some firmware within it? Like th- these are things certainly to consider. And I think it's an important part of NVMe TCP. Like a big part of it is how can we offload things from the core CPU uh, down to, to FPGAs, down to smart NICs, running some of these NVMe TCP offloads. Project Monterey from VMware is focusing on some of this type of stuff too. Uh, it's about how can we make someone else do work that I don't really care about. I just care about the results so I can focus on my thing. And it, it's an it's a interesting, interesting piece of data management and interactions from a from an API or specification layer that is one of the pieces that I think is there's a lot of opportunity there with implementing it with NVMe fabrics. That's interesting because so it sounds like there are layers. It's kind of layers, but it's it starts with the array being able to giving the array tools to optimize these data movements. And from a SSD perspective, well I can help out by moving things within the drive. And then maybe I can also support some technology to move from drive to drive. Obviously, there might be limits, right, to a different host or a different 
across the network, that's not going to be the responsibility of the SSD. But by giving the array the tools to optimize these things, the array can fire and forget at multiple levels. Exactly. I mean, I think when you look at all bottlenecks, essentially all, all problems, in the end, I think the fundamental question or, or goal that we're trying to chase is that whole concept of the fastest I.O. is the one you never have to make, right? And that's kind of like uh, kind of yeah. fundamentally what we're trying to do across the stack. Yeah, and to bring it in and store it in a memory buffer, A, that, that can create reliability problems depending on how long it sits there, right? And then having to push it back out, take it all takes up bandwidth. And I think I think that's what's so cool about this story between, you know, vendors like Micron and, and storage vendors like Pure and, and infrastructure and hypervisor to companies like VMware. There's so many of these detailed and interesting pieces that these vendors work to, to implement together. So the end user doesn't really have to care about all this stuff. It just gets more efficient and easier. But you know what? It's a lot of work around this. I was going to say, it's, it's also busy, but it's cool stuff. It's extremely complicated too. I mean, just explain to somebody who's not familiar with what a virtual machine is, is always interesting, let alone, you know, virtualizing the storage and the, you know, all that stuff. It's an interesting environment. Well, Dave, we got to wrap it up. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate all the, the good discussion. This has been, as usual, we get in the weeds with our discussions. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate this. This was fun. Cody, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, absolutely. It was a total pleasure, Dave. I really appreciate it. This was a fun conversation. Um, you know, I'll end, this up, I'll end this with our, our tagline here. It's like, you know what? This podcast may not be 100% reads, but we are 100% right. Take care, Jason. Thanks. Okay.